It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to another edition of the Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. And guys, this is uh, certainly going to be a bit of a different podcast, uh, just considering the circumstances that are affecting all of us uh, with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, how are you guys hanging in there? Well, I'm about a weekend into my uh, quarantine beard. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, you know, I think like everyone just doing doing the best that we can uh, with with what we're able to, to do and or not do. And, uh, you know, just uh, hope hope that, you know, from from our vantage point, we can provide some content to uh, at least distract people from from what's going on out there. Yeah, I mean, we're we're hoping everybody stays safe and is is you know practicing uh, responsible behavior. We, uh, you know, like like Jonathan said, I, I think you know if we can provide a diversion, that's great. Um, I, I'm I'm happy that uh, when uh, uh, you know a week ago when we had uh, a, I, I guess I'll tone down my my political comments. We had a State of the Union address or or a a, a, pub, a press conference. I had two of my four kids were actually in the United Kingdom at the time, but we got them both back home okay, so that's good. And I'm actually spending a decent amount of time trying to get my, my oldest son, who's a, a graduate student at Oxford, we we're trying to get his golden retriever back since we don't know how long any of this is going to last. Um, and so hopefully, uh, we, hopefully he will fly out of Heathrow on Friday and we will get him back on Saturday. But, uh, but all good here and uh, just hope everybody's listening to this and stay safe. Jonathan, did you say you're a week into your uh, quarantine beard or beer? Uh, or both? <laughs> I mean, right now, I was referring to the beard. Um, gotcha. But uh, also, you yeah, also beer. And uh, unfortunately, here in Pennsylvania, all the like the liquor stores, not the beer places that are uh, state run. So they all closed down yesterday. So uh in terms of you know beyond beer uh uh what i what i got is what i got so there'll be some serious rationing going on well, price of serious looting at some point if that if this continues speaking of uh jonathan with with facial hair we saw one of the rare photos of, of jonathan with a head of hair recently uh, which we, we may have to get out, we may have to get that out there on on social media okay. i think that's fine and i did find i found a little league picture also i'll share that with the group later and then Jim, we're just waiting on your uh, your little league photo. Well, I, but I said, I mean, I, I think I told you guys that's all at my mom's house in Virginia. So um, I don't. I, I'd be happy to share some of those, but uh, my mom is not um, the most computer savvy person, so I don't think she'll be scanning them anytime soon. Uh, so I, I don't think I'm going to be able to participate, or, or I would share the little league photos of me, but uh, I just don't think it's possible. So we're talking about that because there was a fun little thread that one of the MLB.com reporters started with uh, uh, 
people posting little league photos of themselves and and uh, you guys mentioned uh, what we're doing and trying to kind of provide uh, diversion for folks and um, and we are continuing to to put out content we kind of slowed down a little bit and part of that was we had our hands sort of forced by the fact that we were doing spring training reports from spring training um, when when spring training got uh, postponed and so that kind of put the brakes on what we were doing but we are still putting out reports on each team we were at, we were exactly halfway through at the time we have 15 more uh, well we had 15 more as of a couple of days ago we, we started back into those and uh, we have, you know plenty more prospect and, and draft coverage to come and I think fortunately for us in terms of providing that content um, a lot of what we do uh, that's not game-based will will largely be unaffected or I shouldn't say largely unaffected but we'll still be able to do uh, what, what we generally do and provide that content. Uh, one of the things that we put out recently was uh, we, we took a look at prospects that we think we're going to be talking about and that are going to be generating a lot of buzz a couple years down the road. So everybody's looking ahead right now and waiting to see what's going to happen. And, and we took that uh, to an extreme. We did this last year. Uh, we looked at players that we thought we'd be talking about in 2021. And then this year we're looking two years down the road. So these are mostly kids that are 17, 18 years old, signed uh, or were drafted over the past couple of years, 2018, 19, uh, we looked at one for each team. One notable exception to uh, those parameters I was just describing is Noah Song. Um, and uh, I think, Jim and Jonathan, if you guys want to maybe uh, take a couple of guys each from the list that we put together, um, and, and maybe one of you uh, talk a little bit about Song as well, since he's kind of an outlier on that list. Yeah, well, I, I do our Red Sox, so I can talk about Noah Song. I mean, he's, you know, it, it's a very unique situation. You know, he's, he's Navy's, you know, the best pitcher in Navy's history, set all type of school records at Navy, single season, you know, career records, and had a chance to be a first rounder or supplemental first round pick last year. I mean, he had first round type stuff. I mean, the fastball has been up to 99. Uh, you know, the slider can be a wipeout pitch at times. Uh, you know, his changeup, uh, you know, he, he impressed the Red Sox during his, his brief debut, pro debut in Lowell last summer. He impressed the Red Sox. The changeup was further along than they thought. Um, and he's, uh, you know, obviously, you know, I think by far the oldest guy on this list. Um, because of that background, he's, he's 22, I believe, unless he's had a birthday since then. And, you know, he's just... He, as of now, and, and things could change, although coronavirus could, could make mean this the same, there's, there's not much certainty on whether he's going to have to serve the two-year military commitment that, that most Navy and Armed Force graduates would have, you know, of military academies would have to do. As of now, he does. There was some thought that they would change the policy. I believe they changed the policy but decided not to apply it retroactively to him. And who knows what's going to happen now with the situation that, that we're all facing right now. But if he has to go through the two-year military service commitment, then he won't probably really resume his baseball career until 2022. But, yeah, he is the, the kind of unusual one. Uh, you know, He's probably three or four years older than most of the guys on this list. And then I guess, I mean, the other guy who, who jumps out at me just because – the, the hype machine, 
I, I don't know, the Hype Machine. I, I guess I've just heard, I have never heard anybody talk about this guy in less than glowing terms. Would be Maximo Acosta of the Rangers, who signed this, this summer for $1.65 million, which actually kind of, I think, understates how much people like this guy as a prospect. I mean, you can't, anybody who's seen him almost assuredly will compare him to Glaber Torres because of the tools, because the skills are advanced. I mean, we could be talking about four-plus tools and at least average power and staying at shortstop. He's a really exciting guy who will make his pro debut, again, assuming things get back to normal at some point, you know, he, he would make his pro debut his summer. But those were probably the two most interesting guys for me, uh, at least that I wrote about on that list. I think for for me, I'll do. I'm gonna. I'll pick one international guy and one draft guy. An international guy, uh, I think I would go with uh, Robert Poisson, uh, who the A's signed just this past July, uh, and he was one of two players, Jason Dominguez being the other, to to get a, a bonus of more than five uh, five million dollars, and. You know, he's not he hasn't played an inning yet so you know we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens but uh, you know he has all the tools necessary to play shortstop long term he can really run uh, he can hit uh, how much power he has depend but he's six three so he may grow into that and end up having a lot more power uh, you know one of the things with these guys it's always difficult to figure out is projecting what they're going to be when they're not 17 years old, right? You know, right now he's 6'3", 165. And, uh, you know, he almost made our top 100, even though he hasn't played yet. I mean, it's narrowly missed. And I was thinking uh, that he might jump on there if he, you know, we started hearing glowing things from extended spring training and or the Dominican Summer League, uh, assuming that's where he would, would have started. I'll have to wait and see there. I think on the... I think on the draft front, um, you know, I'll be a homer a little bit, and I'll go with Quinn Priester. And, uh, you know, Jim could have picked Quinn Priester and been a homer from, from Illinois. But uh, I will say, though, that he was one of the more highly regarded high school arms uh, in last year's draft, went 18th overall. Uh, one of the things I think that excites me about him is that he's got the sort of standard – high school pitcher, like there's projectability, uh, you know, he's going to grow into what the prototypical uh, pitcher's body, three, but he's also got like a better feel for pitching than you would think for a guy from a cold weather state uh, and one of the, one of the better breaking balls in, in last year's draft class or a plus curveball. Uh, so I'm excited to see how, how he progresses and, uh, and I could see him being a guy who will, would, move on to the uh onto the top 100 at at some point uh whenever his first full season takes place so i don't think we made this really a rule when we when we did this story that that no one on this list should be currently on the top 100 but i think that's the case that there's no one on the top 100 currently on this list is that is that right yeah we we kind of unofficially made it a rule or at least i did and i think jonathan you asked me if i had done that because right if you know, like Jason Dominguez would be an obvious guy, or or some of the guys out of this year's draft, high school guys out of this year's draft, but they're already on the top 100. So I kind of interpreted that as we're talking about these guys now. Um, so that's kind of the way I looked at it. Right, and that kind of 
and I'm a follower. <laughs> well, that that actually was my my follow up question, kind of depending on what you said. Is uh, I thought a, a notable omission here, and and there's the explanation as to why is Jason Dominguez uh, because he's certainly someone that I think we expect to be generating a ton of buzz two years down the road. Yeah, I say, don't you like we're already? I, I keep comparing him to to Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle and Bo Jackson every time I write about him. So I felt like we were kind of talking about him a little. We're giving him some buzz already. If we're giving him more buzz in 2022, then this guy's going to be unbelievable. I mean, I think there. Are, yeah, I mean, I think there's some other guys on the top 100 that sort of fit that bill, like you know Francisco Alvarez of the Mets. Uh, is another guy who jumps out who I think okay, might be the best catching prospect in, 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 in baseball a couple of years down the line. This is assuming Adley Rushman has graduated from the list, uh, things of that nature. So I, I think there are a, a few examples of that. Uh, Dominguez is obviously the, the one who really jumps out. Yeah, I think if you scroll through the top 100, uh, looks like just about everyone on the list has an ETA of – 2022 or before with the except exception of Dominguez uh, Alvarez who you just mentioned and then one more 2023 on the list is Corbin Carroll so we're talking about a lot of uh, with our, our story looking ahead to prospects that are going to be generating buzz in, in 2022 like we said a lot of those guys uh, recent international signings, uh, which kind of dovetails nicely into something else we wanted to talk about. Uh, a couple of uh, international prospects uh, in the news recently, and, and actually a, a story just going up as we started this podcast uh, about one of these guys. But uh, first, uh, Josuar Garcia, 18-year-old uh, Venezuelan outfielder that the Phillies signed uh, just a few days ago. Uh, already with a major league ready nickname, El Drone, the Drone, uh, and Jonathan, I know you you know a little bit about him uh, since the Phillies are your team. I do. Um, I don't really understand the nickname, though. To be honest with you, what does that mean? Like he spies on people? I don't get it. <laughs> He's hovering over over you. Uh, yeah, I think it's a. Re- he can make Amazon deliveries. I like. I, th- I believe it's a reference to his defensive skills. I see. Well, he does have very, very good defensive skills. Yeah, we put him in at number 23 um, on the Phillies' top 30, signed for two and a, uh, just about $2.5 million, uh, which more than doubled what the Phillies had spent in this uh, signing period. Kind of an interesting case where they thought he was going to be ready to sign last July, but there was an age issue, and then he became eligible in March. And the Phillies, you know, had money left over. Uh, he has pretty much all the tools. Um, you know, I, I try to be uh, somewhat conservative with placing these guys when they haven't played. You know, the uh, a guy like Jason Dominguez is a huge example. Even Poisson, who I mentioned, is high up on the A's list. Uh, Aral Vera, the Angels, is another guy who comes to mind. There are exceptions. But, you know, before he's played an inning of baseball, um, you know, try not to – over over rank him but he does have the ability to uh you know has the potential to hit with some power he's got good speed 
Uh, he covers a ton of ground in center field. He, he'll play center field long term. Um, you know, runs a six three sixty. So he may find out, especially as he gets stronger, that the sixty speed grade might even be light. Uh, so you know, it's sort of an exciting five tool guy. He just needs to go out and play. Yeah. So you, you talk about. Um the process you go through in, in ranking these guys who, as you said, have never played in inning of professional baseball. I was looking through our uh, top 30 international prospects list for the, the current signing period. And uh, of the 30 players that were originally on the list, uh, 20 of those players are now ranked on their team's top 30 list. And like you said, you guys are generally pretty conservative about where they're ranked. Um, there are looks like four guys, five guys in the top on their team's top ten list. Uh, Dominguez, Poisson, uh, Eric Pena is number five on the Royals list. Andy Lara is number five on the Nationals list. Maximo Acosta, number six on the Rangers list, and you mentioned Errol Vera. Uh, he's number ten on the Angels list. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say, Jason. I think on that stuff, I know. It's you know it's it's obviously purely speculative because you you don't have minor league performance initially going with guys and you don't even have college stats or or, or showcase performance like on the draft guys, but I mean as you continue to see the the number of of players you know making an impact uh, you know coming from Latin America and other foreign countries I, I know I've become more receptive to maybe 10 years ago, I might have thought, well, let's let the guy play in the U.S. And, and, and get to see him and figure out what he can do. And I think on the top, top guys, I'm now much more likely, I mean, you know, even like, uh, like Jason Dominguez is even a good example. I mean, I would think we would have ranked him, I would have ranked him even 10 years ago, but like we put him on our top 100. And I don't think maybe Kevin Maiton, which isn't the best uh, predecessor, might have been the only other guy we put on a top 100 list before he made his pro debut, you know, out of the international market. And I just think teams are, while it's still, you know, obviously hard to scout very young players, I think teams are getting better at it. Um, and we're trusting more, you know, when you, you, you if you're getting, you know, just off the charts reports about a guy's upside that, okay, we're, we're not going to wait till the guy makes his debut in the Arizona league. We'll go ahead and put that guy on a list. Now, I, I think you can go too far in the other direction and start going crazy, you know, you know, especially if you have an organization like, like that's not very good. And it seems like, I think I have five, like when we, we did our organization rankings, I think five of the 10 lowest ranked organizations are my teams. Now I, I think you have to guard against going crazy, and ranking, you know, five guys out of this year's international crop because the farm system isn't as strong. Uh, because I don't think that that's a way to go either. You, you you can't go nuts on guys who haven't had a chance to fail yet just because the, the team's farm system isn't that good. But, but I mean, what do you think, Jonathan? I mean, do you feel like you've gotten more liberal in your willingness to rank, you know, unproven international prospects? I think I'm more willing to. I'm more willing to rank them, um, but I don't run them up the list in a hurry, like I said, you know, in terms of the process of, with some exception. Yeah, and I think that combination of weaker system plus higher-ranked international guy is why you end up with, you know, an Eric Pena on the Royals list or an Errol uh, Vera on the Angels list. Um, 
thing, thing, things of that nature. Because um, I think what the I, I'd rather put them lower and then have them quickly move up than sort of what happened with Kevin Maiton, which is we we went bonkers, uh, and he you know he's not been the guy that we thought he was going to be. So now you know he looks like he's like a stock prospect or he's fading or whatever the issue might be. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem putting them on. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's exciting to add those guys, you know, even if they're five, six years away. And then especially in those systems that aren't as deep, uh, I think a lot of times uh, an argument is easily made that, you know, 16-year-old just signed with tons of tools are really far away is uh, more of a top 30 prospect than, I don't know, maybe some guy who's been in the system for a few years or is a little old for his level or whatever the caveat might be and getting excited about a guy who's already on the list. Is this uh, is this potentially going to lead to, uh, to some prospect fatigue with, with these guys? It can. I mean, you know, um, some of that will depend on how, how good they are, uh, you know, uh, or, or how well they progress, I think. Even if I don't think you'll be as fatigued with them if they even if they just perform decently and move up kind of a level at a time because they're progressing. I think when you look at a guy, I think Mike Tan is the is the cautionary tale because he has not really performed anywhere, even though he's only 20 this year. Um, uh, there is fatigue with him because he's not outside of, I think, one small snippet in the Appy League with the Braves, uh, he, he's not been particularly good as a professional in terms of production. So circling, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I was just getting <laughs> sorry about that, Jason. I was just getting fallen up. These guys are so young too that I don't think we're going to get as dismayed. You know, if if the guy, you know, as long as they you know keep progressing and producing, they're going to theoretically always be very young for their league you know a lot of these guys will come to arizona league at 18 and be in low a maybe at 19 if they continue to progress and if they don't you drop them off the prospect fatigue are are more the guys who i think are are high picks and then they get kind of stuck in double a and triple a and you're like "Eh, i don't really believe in this guy anymore but he's still on the list so i i don't think i don't think there's too much danger of prospect fatigue of these guys i think if they don't perform you know, when they get to the Arizona League or the Gulf Coast League or, or you know, short season ball or low A, you just drop them off the list. So cir- circling back to uh, Josuar Garcia, he was uh, number 10 on our top 30 international prospects list. Um, and there are four unsigned players on that list, uh, all Cuban players who are, I think at this point, expected to uh, not sign until – the upcoming uh, July 2nd period, the, the 2021 20, period, which begin on July 2nd. Um, and now there's a new number one prospect on this list as of just today, and that's because uh, Yoelki Cespedes, the 22-year-old younger brother of Yoenna Cespedes, uh, was declared officially declared uh, a free agent eligible to sign with any team uh, by Major League Baseball as of today. Um, now, this is something that we talk about quite a bit is, you know, how we're we're putting him on this list of primarily 16-year-old p- 
players and the other four Cuban players are, are also a little bit older. So it's, and they're, they're all quite highly ranked on this list and it's, you know, it's kind of apples to oranges, but um, that said, Yoelki Cespedes is considered a five tool player. Um, and he, uh, he, he ranks at the top of this list, similar to uh, when Otani came over uh, a couple of years ago, he immediately jumped to number one on this list. But uh you guys want to talk about Yoelki uh, a little bit here? Well, I, I'm just going to say I have great respect for Jesse Sanchez, who does all of our international stuff, and I don't. I, I I guess I hadn't seen the update. I'm flabbergasted he's ranked ahead of Jason Dominguez. I am flabbergasted. <laughs> I flabbergasted Jim. I, I mean, I mean Jason Dominguez again. I mean, I know there, there's some hype. I mean, this is a guy who gets compared to Bo Jackson and Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle, who, you know, if you wanted to be super aggressive, you could put 60s and 65s across the board, and he's got refined skills. My understanding of Suspettis, which, again, is just from been reading about him, is that compared to his half-brother, he's faster but not as powerful. I, 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 I don't know nearly as much about these guys because it's not my beat. I'm taking Jason Dominguez over Yoel Suspettis, and I'm not sure that I would advocate for putting Yoelki Suspettis on the top 100 immediately when he signed. So uh, I, I am flabbergasted a bit. I will say that I'm maybe just slightly surprised. I'm not going to go full, full flabbergasted. Flabbergasting. I am not full on flabbergasted, no. Um, I believe we've set a podcast record for using the word flabbergast. Um, it's not over yet yeah, either. I, that's true. I think that... I would agree that I, I, you know, I would probably put Dominguez ahead of Cespedes, but I feel a little bit like somebody who doesn't know, you know, is looking at a list from afar uh, and criticizes the order because they think it should go the other way. I, you know, I only know about these players based on what I've read. Now, Jim, you do the Yankees list, so obviously you've you've gotten a lot more information on Dominguez, um, just like I have a lot of information on Poisson. Um, but I, you know, from what I've seen, I, I would at least put Cespedes at two, uh, and Dominguez at one. Um, if you wanted to argue with me about Poisson versus Cespedes, fine. But, uh, I think the, uh, I will agree with you that I would order them differently if it were just me. And that said, I mean, he obviously is a very talented guy. He is a five-tool guy. I mean, it sounds like you know, when these guys become free agents in the middle of the period, like Jason said, uh, you know, they often are going to wait for the next signing period because there's more money available. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he sounds like a very talented player. But my understanding was if you were going to make the parallel to his half-brother uh, – that he's got more speed and less power, uh, you know, than Yoannis Suspedes. This is, uh, I think, someone somewhat reminiscent of what happened last year when uh, Victor Victor Mesa was declared a free agent and jumped to the top of that list. Um, and I don't know, you guys want to talk a little bit about uh, some of these? We've had, I think, a few similar situations where these Cuban players have. Uh, been declared free agents and jumped to the, you know, jumped to the top of our rankings or uh, gotten a lot of attention. And, and uh, I think there's several, several instances of these guys, at least to this point, not panning out. It's gotten better. Cause I know when I, when I was back on the beat, 
like way back when for Baseball American, I was covering international baseball more from a, a Olympic, you know, competition type angle, Team USA stuff. When the Cubans started defecting, most of the early guys didn't live up to the hype at all. You know, El Duque was an exception, Levon Hernandez was an exception, but there were there were a lot of busts. Um, you know, Ariel Preto was the number five overall pick in the draft. You know, the A's changed their minds from Todd Helton to take Ariel Preto because he was going to help them a lot quicker. Um, and then. You know, with with Suspetis and, and Puig and others, you know, Abreu, you know, we went through a period where it seemed like they were hitting on a lot of these guys. And then all of a sudden you had Rusne Castillo again and Yosemite Tomas. So it, it kind of goes all over the place. I mean, there, there's often, uh, you know, a huge mystique around these guys. They aren't quite as – the mystique is dissipated some. I and mean, when guys were first defecting, it was like, oh, you know, Cuban, you know, you know, multiply all the grades by two because they're they're so interesting, you know. But you know, you, you get, the Victor Victor Mesa thing's interesting to me because last year, you know, Joe Frasaro did our our Marlins coverage and he oversaw the, the the Marlins and now I'm doing them. And what's interesting to me about Victor Victor Mesa is is all the concerns people had about him when he signed proved true. Maybe people didn't think it was going to be this extreme, but. You know, everybody talked about the fact that a guy can really play defense and he can run, but there were a lot of teams, you know, the Marlins, not among them, but a lot of teams wondering, you know, how much impact is there really in the bat? And then this year, there were, or in 2019, there was zero impact with the bat. So in Mesa, his struggles this year weren't a case of him not living up to the scouting reports. He kind of lived up to his scouting reports that a lot of teams had on him. Uh, so you see, he was kind of a weird example, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you talk about a guy who, you know, was on our top 100 list when he signed and I, and I just did our Marlins list and I had Victor, Victor Mesa at number 26 on our Marlins list, five spots behind his younger brother, who was not considered, you know, nearly the same prospect he was when they both signed. So let's, uh, Let's switch gears here, change gears here, and go from uh, international talk uh, to the draft. Because among the many, many things that are <laughs> uncertain right now in, in uh, baseball and the world in general, uh, specifically in our, in our uh, little world here, the draft is one thing that I think people are wondering about and that we've discussed um, as to when it might happen, where it will be. It was scheduled to be in Omaha for the first time this year, uh, you know, as part of the College World Series, which has now been canceled. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen. But, Jim, I know you've had a chance to, to talk to a few people about this. Yeah, and, and this is all – nobody knows when the draft's going to be. You know, I, I think it was Monday. I, I've kind of lost my sense of time now, which what's happening on what day. But uh, I think it was Monday that MLB – sent out a memo to teams because I think there was some talk of maybe trying to do workouts with local players, just telling teams stand down. Nobody's doing any scouting domestically or internationally until further notice. And, and, the, and the first paragraph of the memo said, essentially, we have made no decisions about what we're going to do with the draft international signing period. You know, obviously there's a lot more serious things going on than that right now. And I talked to a number of scouting directors and one of them kind of summed it up, and I think accurately, that, like, we're just guessing right now. You know, you know once we know when the season's going to begin, then people will start worrying about things like the draft. Now, now, all that said, I mean, you see, 
know, this will shock you guys both. Like, so, like all kinds of speculation on Twitter and people making pronouncements. Oh, MLB needs to do this or this can't happen. You know, there's I, I see a lot of people on Twitter and tweeting at me or just tweeting general. Oh, you know, they got to move the draft back. I don't think they necessarily have to move the draft back. And Jonathan can weigh on this in a second. But one, yes, you know, the, you're probably not going to get any more game looks at amateurs for the draft right now. But teams saw these guys last summer, you know, high school showcase season, summer leagues, Team USA. They got four weeks of looks at them this week. And, all you know, the guys I talked to all said, you know, we're ready to go. Now, you know, they, one of them made, you know, remark like, hey, the teams that rely heavily on algorithms, maybe they don't have enough data. But, like, we, you know, we can draft tomorrow based on what we have. It's not as much as they usually have, but they have that information. So I, I, I would not rule out. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. But I, I don't think a June draft is impossible. I would question whether it would really be in Omaha. Like, that would seem to not make any sense anymore. Um, and then the, the, the other aspect of it, the, Baseball America, Carlos Clausen had a story yesterday, and I hadn't thought about this, is that if you push the draft back and somehow whether you're having – combines, which I don't think are going to, I don't think the top players are going to go to a combine because Spencer Torkelson doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And a lot of other guys don't either, but maybe if you're using, you know, summer leagues and the showcase circuit to spotlight the guys in the 2020 draft, you know, Carlos the story in baseball America brought the point. Somebody told him, well, that's going to mess us up for 2021. Cause, cause what are those players going to do? And the, you know, and we're not going to see those guys in summer leagues. And even if you have separate events, you know, our attention is going to be divided. So I, I would think in a lot of ways it would make sense, assuming things get back to normal, you know, at some point before then, that, you, yeah, yeah, you could definitely have a draft in June. You, you could have a draft in a week if you wanted um, or two weeks. You know, teams are ready to go with what they have. You know, they're, they're just going to be waiting told what's going to happen, and they'll deal with it. Yeah, I think, you know, listen, every year there are guys who, say, got hurt uh you know during the spring and are drafted off of what they did the previous summer uh so there is data and i have the same you know uh you know jim was the one who was sort of uh, talking to more people about it but i uh you know talking to at least one scouting director who's like i i'm ready to go tomorrow uh if need if need be um i think the one guy i'm kind of looking at where this really is you know unfortunate timing is nick uh, nick bitsko uh, who's now number nine on our draft uh, top 100 that we originally put out in December, but we uh, but we added uh, him in because he reclassified, and he's from Eastern Pennsylvania, so he's not like pitched. He hadn't pitched outside yet, even. Uh, so you know, some of the high schools say in California at least had played a little bit, so were, they were seen a little bit. He threw one bullpen in front of a handful of scout scouting director types. And that's, that's been it. And, and this was a guy who everyone thought was going to be a junior this year. So they were aware of him, but they didn't necessarily sort of bear down on him. And for a guy who looked like he was one of the top, um, one of the top high school pitchers in this class and might've you know, eventually proven to be the, the top pitching high school pitching prospect in the class. We put him in with Jared Kelly in Texas and Nick Abel in, in Oregon, both of whom were seen plenty over the summer. Uh, that's the one guy that I kind of 
look at and say, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough one for, you know, if the draft happens at a normal time, deciding that, yes, I'm going to take him in say the top half of the first round and pay him enough to keep him from going to university of Virginia um, without having a whole lot of information on him. But I do, I do think, and you know, there are guys. You know, Garrett Crochet is another one who had a great fall and missed his first three starts this spring and pitched three innings. So you don't know how healthy he is. At least with the pitchers, though, you know, you could throw bullpens for teams. Um, you know, it, it, you know, it's not like it, it's not optimal for Nick Bitsko, but it's also not like Pennsylvania high school t- competition was going to severely test him with a bunch of pro caliber hitters. So you were basically going to be scouting the stuff. Uh, you know, the, the, the circumstances are going to hurt. You know, every year there are guys who work their way up draft boards with great springs. You know, last year, you know, Cody Hosey was one. Um, at you, you know, Seth Johnson. You know, like like those guys aren't going to have that opportunity to still do that. Um, you know, so it's, things will change. But the bottom line is teams, you know, it's not like teams – just come out and, and don't have any scouting. You know, like in, in a lot of ways, what you do during the summer is more important than what you do during in the spring, you know, health aside, because you're facing better competition. Um, you know, like, yeah, I mean, for high school guys, you know, pitching in high school games, you're seeing how the guy holds his stuff over a number of innings and those guys can make, you know, dramatic physical, you know, improvements from one year to the next. But, you know, it, it's this notion that teams aren't prepared to draft, that it would be impossible. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just being silly here, but teams are like, if baseball said, Hey, we got to give fans something to look at. We're going to draft April 15th. Um, just cause there's no games going on. Teams would be able to draft April 15th. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, you, you have, I, I, like I said, I don't think, you know, people are speculating about combines and there'd be, you know, you could get, I think your, your, your second and third tier players maybe to go to combines. But again, you know, you know, how much value, you know, is that going to be too much noise? So, you know, they like with all the draft stuff, I think it's purely speculative te- right now. And teams are just waiting, you know, kind of on hold to be told what they need to do. And, and then they'll do it. Well, that's a pretty fitting note, I think, to uh, wrap things up here is, is everyone is on hold and being and, and waiting to be told what's going to happen. Uh, we're in the same boat. Um, and we'll obviously uh, keep everyone uh, apprised as as we learn uh, what's going on. Not not just with with the draft, but uh, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball in general. Uh, Jim and Jonathan, stay safe, stay inside. No handshaking, Jim. I know you got a head start on the elbow bump at uh, winter meetings this year. Yeah, I was sick at the winter. Can you imagine? Can you, I mean, I was pretty sick at the winter meetings. This horrible cough that lingered for three weeks. Like, how frightening that would have been. Uh, well, I wouldn't have gone, I guess. But, but yeah, people people did not want to shake hands with me, and I did not want to shake hands with people. Except for me, evidently. I, I, and, and, and I shook Dan Adad's hand without thinking about it. So, um, but, yeah, so. Thanks for drudging up that memory. I, I'm trying to work my way onto the draft desk. If we have a draft, I fear if I get you or Odap sick, and then I, then I get an opportunity. So that was, that was part of my plan. I, I didn't see Harold or Greg, Harold Reynolds or Greg Amsinger, so I, I only shook your two hands. Strategic. Got it. Very nice. All right, guys. Thanks very much, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week.